So if you have your Bible's electronic devices, you can click to, turn to with me, uh, 2 Corinthians. And so uh, I, I thought about it, and I prayed really hard about a, a, the next series. And as many of you know, if you've been with me, you know that the way that I preach normally is just take a book of the Bible, work our way all the way through, verse by verse, line by line, sometimes word by word, and get everything out of that book. And so that forces us to look at the, the easy stuff and even some of, some of the hard stuff. And so we're going to start a journey together through the book of 2 Corinthians. I'm excited. I'll explain a little bit about this book, and then we'll We'll grab some principles out of it. And so we're, we're going to go through 2 Corinthians probably uh, for about 20 to 22 weeks. It's going to take us that long to journey through this book. There's just a lot here. And so today, I would invite you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and Psalm 121. Psalm 121, if you're a life group leader, you've already seen the life group notes. Uh, Psalm 121 is an ad. It was an ad. Uh, in, in fact, is it, it happened on Saturday. I, was, I was, got up early and, and opened up my Bible app and life journaling. If you life journal with us and you know that we read this, this verse, this chapter on Saturday. And so I, I looked at this Psalm 121 and I'm like, this, this is like a 2020 prayer. This is like a COVID-19 prayer. And so it just went along with the sermon. So it's just a, it's just a lat, lat, late ad. And so I'm gonna, we're going to finish up with Psalm 121. And so the name of this series, uh, we worked really hard to be creative with this series name. And it's 2 Corinthians. So that's the name. So the name of this series is 2 Corinthians. And the title of this message this morning is called Forgiveness and Comfort. Forgiveness and comfort. There's two things that we need as believers, right? There's two things that we need as people. We need forgiveness and comfort. We need to feel the forgiveness of God and know that God has forgiven us. And then we need to be able to forgive others. I mean, and we need, we need people to be able to forgive us, right? So we need forgiveness and we need comfort. We need to sense the comfort of God when we go through difficulty, when we go through hurt, when we go through pain. And we need to have the ability with the same comfort that we receive from God to be willing to, to comfort others. And so so when you look at 2 Corinthians, you realize that this is a church that Paul had planted. Paul planted this church, and he spent about 18 months there as a church planner, developing the church. Honestly, this is the one church that Paul planted that brought him the most hurt, the most pain. I mean, this was a difficult place because this church was in this city called Corinth. And Corinth was like coming unglued. I mean, it was coming unhinged. Uh, Corinth had about a million people in it, and all of a sudden the po politics of Corinth uh, began dividing the city. There was division, there was unity, there were political factions, there's all kinds of factions. And unfortunately, what was going on in the culture seeped its way into the church. And the church became divided. And the church became, there's a lot of bickering, people were choosing sides, people no longer respected one another. And it, it was a difficult place. Fact is, in second in First Corinthians, they came to the place where all of a sudden these, these factions developed and they were saying, I follow Apollos and I follow Paul and I follow uh, Cephas, which is Peter, and I follow Christ. And Paul comes down and says, he got so angry, he says, I'm glad I didn't baptize any one of you. I mean, we ought to have, we should have unity. I mean, we should have unity. You're not any better because you follow this guy or that. We, we should have unity. And Paul's like, I, and Paul begins calling them back to unity. And so he spent 18 months there planning the church. Two visits, he went back to try to straighten them out. One visit, it just, it just went south. It just, it just did not end well. Paul really, truly wrote three different letters back to the, this Corinthian church. We only have two of those letters. 
Some theologians believe he actually wrote four letters back, trying to straighten them out and trying to help them. And so they're, they're in this city. They're in Corinth. Corinth is going through great difficulties. Its foundations are being shook. And as a result of that, it's calling stress and difficulty for the church. Now, listen, I, I don't know if you've realized this or not, but there's three common stressors in life. I, I remember them by just three eyes because that's just the way I think. Uh, words that begin with eyes. And so there's three things that cause us stress, right? One is just interruptions. Interruptions usually have to do with people, right? To where you got, you got like a million things to do, you got an appointment to do, you got emails to return, you got tasks to do, and then all of a sudden there's like, all of a sudden there's this interruption. And interruptions can even be bigger when you're in a crisis. Even when you're dealing with something like COVID or quarantine and some of these other things, then some of these interruptions can even seem bigger because you're still dealing with the common day-to-day stuff. I had a huge interruption this morning. Uh, my mom's house, my mom lives in Houston, Texas, and, and last week there was a drug deal in front of her house that went bad, and they ended up, like the, the drug dealers ended up in, in her backyard with guns drawn, and the police showed up, and, and, um, and so she went through that. And then last night, somebody tried to break into her house because she gave a statement to the police. And, and so someone tried to break into her house. And, and I mean, I'm trying to get ready for weekend services, and it's just these interruptions. My brother's headed there now, and family will be with her, and we'll, we'll work it out. But there's just there's interruptions. And so there's interruptions that can cause you stress in life. Inconveniences can cause you stress in life, right? I mean, we got this whole mass thing, and I cannot tell you how many times that I've gotten, maybe, maybe you're like me, I've gotten to the front door of Lowe's or the front door of Walmart or the front door of somewhere and go, oh, I forgot my mask, it's in my truck. Or I've jumped in the car with someone to run an errand, and, and, uh, and I had to end up wearing their kid's mask in a place, just so I get in. And I don't know if you've ever done that. It's pretty uncomfortable on your ears. I'm just telling you. I've learned that. And so, and so we, can have, we can have inconveniences. Friday, uh, Karen and I went up to Springs, and we went with our children and, and, and grandkids. Uh, really, we went with the grandkids. But we went to the pumpkin patch. And then after the pumpkin patch, we went and got burgers and went back to their house. And then it was so hard trying to explain to our grandkids that we're going to have to leave early because we... <laughs> Nana and Pop-Pop have a curfew. <laughs> it's, like, it's like high school all over again. And we got, we got, and our grandkids literally could not understand that. They said, well, you will when you get in high school. You'll understand it great. And so, and so there's, there's inconveniences. And there's also, listen, there's also irritations. Irritations usually have to do with, with people as well. And Paul had said over and over that Paul had irritations. He had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that was. We don't know where there's an illness. We don't know where there's mother-in-law. Uh, we, you, know what, you know what I think it was? Honestly, after this, I think it was Facebook. I think it was social media. I mean, I, honestly, as a pastor, I had to take a break from Facebook. It was just chipping away at my soul. Seeing the things that people were posting. The very people we're called to reach were judging and demeaning and degrading and screaming at. And it was doing something to my soul. There's three common reactions to difficulties, just real quickly. You can resist it, resent it, or you can, you can give in to it. You can come to the place that you just resist it, and that's to where you, just, you walk around angry all the time. Uh, one man once said, the, the, said that the small, small pot always boils the quickest. 
In other words, you and I can tell a lot by our depth, our depth, our identity with Christ. What causes us and what drives our anger? You understand this, right? Anger is not a primary emotion. It is a secondary emotion. When you have anger, something is driving your anger, whether it's fear of the future, whether it's loss of control, whether it's, whether it's, whether it's other issues, but something is driving it. So you can walk through life and you can just resent it or you can you know, resist it or you can resent it. This is where you just blame everybody. I mean, you blame, you blame your spouse, you blame your children, you, you blame the clerk, you blame the, the checker, you, you, blame whoever, you, you blame God to where you just start blaming people, or you could walk through life and you can just give in to it. In other words, you say, you know what, I just suck it up, it's just my lot in life, but you'll never have peace, you'll never have joy, you'll never have confidence. So there's, there's common reactions where Paul comes down, and this is what's so fascinating about the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul says there's an uncommon reaction. And as believers, we're not called to the common reaction. We're called to an uncommon reaction. And Paul comes down and says, you know, an uncommon reaction is this. When you go through difficulty, when you go through pain, you're able to see it from God's point of view. You're able to see it from God's perspective. We saw that, right, in Job, the book of Job. When we went through the series Overwhelmed to where Job came to the place and says, all my, all my years I have heard of you, but now I have truly seen you in the midst of my pain. In other words, he says, for the first time, for the first time, Lord, I've seen you differently. I've been able to see it, from, see it from your point of view. I've been able to see it from your perspective. And so when I overreact, when I get angry, when I overreact, whether it's inconvenience, irritations, or, or interruptions, when I overreact, I realize, you know what? Something's not right in my life. Anger, overreaction is like a warning light on a dashboard of a car that is flashing that something else deeper is going on. Something else, and I'm not in tune with God. Because when I'm in tune with God, when I see things from God's perspective, all of a sudden I understand, you know what? God has everything in control. Everything that's big, everything that's important, he has in control. Because after all, it was, it, it was Paul that said, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion, the day of Christ. You know what he's saying? Nothing can keep you. Nothing can keep him. There are no barriers for getting you to where you need to be a day of completion. And so Paul gives some insight. And it's so fascinating. He uses the word comfort. Um, 29 times, 18 times as a verb, 11 times as a, as, as a noun. And so I, I, I want to just give you three principles and then we're going to finish. We're going to finish with Psalm 121 and I hope it, I hope I, I pray, uh, that this message speaks to you down deep in your soul for the first thing about difficulties is this is difficulties are part of every life. Difficulties are part of, listen, nobody's exempt from suffering. Nobody's exempt from difficulty. The, the two greatest needs that we have is forgiveness and comfort. To feel the forgiveness of God and the comfort of God so that we can forgive others and so that we can comfort, ever, uh, and comfort others. And so every, everyone who suffers needs the comfort of God, needs peace of God, needs to understand God is with us so that we're able to comfort others. Verse 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says... For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. I mean, Jesus is the one, right, that said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus was upfront and honest and let us know that, guess what, in this world, because we live in a contaminated world, we live in a world that is falling, we live in a world that people make 
bad choices and there's consequences. And as a result of that, you're going to go through difficulty. But a lot of times, whether it's, whether it's someone that, that looks at Scripture maybe incorrectly or maybe it's, it's the flesh, that we want to we tell ourselves that, you know what, if I live a good enough life, if I live a perfect life, then I'll no longer, I won't, I won't hurt, I won't have pain, I won't have any difficulties, I won't get sick. But yet the Bible, the Bible from the very beginning was upfront and honest about this issue of suffering. And that we live in a fallen world, and because of that, that we're going to go through suffering, and we're going to go through difficulty. And, and Paul uses a couple of examples to help us understand that. Verse 5, he says, For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. I mean, from, from the very, very beginning of Jesus' life, right? He lived a life, no sin. He lived a perfect life. He was lonely. He was betrayed. He knew grief. He knew hurt. He knew pain. And if Jesus was perfect and suffered, we're not going to be exempt from difficulties and suffering. Paul goes on in such a fascinating illustration, verse 8, and he says, For we, we do not want you to be unaware brothers. So he's talking to believers. He used the term brothers. So we don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters in Christ, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. Horrible. We'll understand that. For as we were so utterly beyond, burdened beyond our strength that we despaired life itself. Now listen, we probably, we probably won't face the criticism and the pain that Paul faced in Asia. More than likely Asia Minor, more than likely Ephesus. I mean, it was just a brutal time in his life. It's really not real clear uh, what he's exactly talking about, the affliction. We just know it's painful. Uh, we, know, we knew that he went through huge public criticism of a pastor. There's a group of people that didn't like him, and they criticized him publicly. And, and he had physical problems, so now he's dealing with an illness. He's dealing with criticism. He lost relationships and lost friendships, and so he was lonely. He was isolated. He endured this constant travel, and he had to endure the constant disappointment of people, and it always affected Paul. And then, then, then to add to that, his enemies were like trying to kill him, and they were, had, had people uh, causing him all kinds of issues regardless of where he went. And Paul comes to his place, verse 8, it's just so fascinating. He says, he says, and I need you to understand not only what we went through in Asia Minor, but he says, but it was beyond burden beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. With that, that phrase in the Greek, beyond burden, burden beyond our strength, that phrase in the Greek literally means this, a weight too heavy to carry. It's the word picture. When you look at a Greek dictionary, and I could throw it up here, when you look at the Greek dictionary, you realize that it is the pictures, the word pictures of like a huge ballast on a ship. It's a, it's a weight heavier than you could swim with. It's a weight heavier than you can carry. Now, listen I, know, listen, I know that destroys many of our bumper stickers and refrigerator magnets and maybe some sayings, Christian sayings that we may have in our home that says things like, don't worry, God will never give you more than you can handle. Everyone, anyone ever told you that? Anyone ever told you you're going through a difficulty and they're like, hey, suck it up. God will never give you more than, than you can handle. Paul never said that. Fact is, Paul's kind of telling the opposite, right? And Paul tells us why later, and Paul tells us the opposite. Paul said, hey, I need you to understand. In Asia, I mean, I had this problem. I had this affliction. I had this thing going on, and I was, and I was burdened. Man, I was burdened beyond, like, my strength to where, to where 
I thought it was going to kill me. I didn't think I was going to survive. That's, I mean, that's the depth, and he's going to tell us why later. So the first thing is this, is difficulties are part of every life. The second thing is this, difficulties provide an opportunity to receive God's comfort. Difficulties, listen, if you've, if you've gone through, you know this, right? If you've gone through deep suffering, if you've gone through deep, deep uh, difficulties, and then God met you there and you felt the comfort of God, then, then you know this. This is an opportunity for us to see God differently, like Job. This is an opportunity to feel his comfort differently. I mean, we, we, I don't know if it's humanism. I don't know if it's the flesh. I don't know if it's our sin nature. I just know it's a part of our life. We all want to get to the place to where we're just safe and secure. Maybe we don't have to depend on God like we once did. Man, we think, many people think, if we can, listen, if we can just earn enough money, if we can just get enough insurance, get enough life insurance, if, if the 401k, the 403b, if our retirement plan can get big enough, then we can come to the place that we no longer have to rely on God. We know that, that's why it affects us so much when the 401k and the 403b uh, is affected, our retirement plan. That's why it affects us so much. And so some people think, if I can just earn enough and I can just make enough, then guess what? I don't really have to depend on God. Or we think, if I can just get enough education and I can get as good enough and I can get, I can get enough education, I can get really good at what I do professionally, and then I no longer have to really use the Bible to tell me how to handle relationships, how to handle my life, how to make decisions. Or we come to the place and say, you know what? If I can just get a part of enough organizations and network well within the community and network well with people, then guess what? I don't even need the church. I don't even need relationships in the church. And I'm telling you, there are Christians that believe that. There are Christians that will tell you, you know what? You really don't need the church. You don't really need relationships in the church because you can be a part of enough organizations out in the world and you can build enough relationships and you can network enough to where you no longer... And see, Paul is pushing back. See, this is what's happening in Corinth. In Corinth, the, 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 church, the church in Corinth looks exactly like the world. That's why he's upset. The same divisions, the same disunity, the same fights and arguments that are in the world are in the church. That's a lot of times why people aren't beating the doors down of a church. They don't see it any different. They see in the same disagreements. They see in the same arguments. They see in the same disunity. And Paul comes down, verse 9, and he answers his questions. He says, indeed, we felt that we'd received the sentence of death. In other words, this is going to kill us. But this was to make us rely on ourselves. This would make us to rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul's like, there's times. There's times God gives you more. There's times God allows more to come into your life than you can handle. Why? To push you to your knees. To force you to rely on him. To remind you, to remind what Jesus says. Remember what Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul's saying there are times we go through life and it's beyond our ability to carry that weight. And it forces us to rely on him. Unfortunately, a lot of times these difficulties in life pushes people because of the pain that they have a temptation to withdraw from God and withdraw from church, withdraw from reading of Scripture. 
withdraw from relationships within the church to where there's people that encourage them and pray for them and support them. So why Psalm says, 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted over the nations. That he is still in control. And difficulties equip us. Equip us to minister and to comfort others. Verse 3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's something about this issue of pain. There's something about when you and I go through a hurt or pain in our life and we feel the comfort of God, it now enables us, prepares us to where we're able to comfort someone going through a similar pain. When you've lost a loved one, when you've lost a mom, you've lost a dad, and you felt God's comfort and you've seen it from his perspective, all of a sudden it gives you the ability to comfort someone else when they've had a loss. When you've walked with someone that's been diagnosed with a terminal illness, cancer, or something like that, or maybe when you've been diagnosed with that, it makes you real sensitive to those who have gone through that. When you felt the comfort of God, you understand the emotions and the feelings of someone that's walked through that. When you've walked through a divorce and you felt the hurt, the pain, the loss, the disappointment, the sense of failure, and then you found the forgiveness and the comfort of God, when you see someone that's going through a divorce and they're not where you're at, it makes it easier for you to comfort them. Why? Because you, you understand. When you're, when you're prone to depression and you felt the comfort of God through that season of your life, and when you see someone that's walking through depression, it, it helps you to be able to encourage them and, and minister to them. See, this is, this is the church. This is why we need each other. This is what's different than any other organization. This is why the church, this is why we need each other. This is what Paul's saying. See, Paul's saying that when you have felt the comfort of God, then you should look, you should be willing to come into community and with others in the church and give the same comfort that you've received from God. Verse 3, he goes on and says, Blessed be the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ. And then here's the sentence, and we just have to understand this, and we'll move on. And then he says, The Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Now listen, instead of using mercy, we would probably use the word in some translations, instead of mercy, has compassion. We're more familiar with that. So God of all mercies, or compassion, would be, be able to see someone's hurt to be able to see someone has a need, to be able to see that, that they have pain or hurt in their life. See, compassion and comfort are two different things. Compassion is this ability to see a need. Comfort is this ability to do something about it. Comfort is compassion in action. It's not just enough to have compassion. It's not just enough. This is what Paul says. This is what James says. Comfort means to come alongside of. So God not only sees the need in your life, he comes alongside of you. The paraclete, the Holy Spirit, he comes alongside of you. And he's saying we should be willing to do the same thing. That when we see a need, it is one thing to say, you know what? I feel so sorry for such and such. I cannot believe they're walking through what they're walking through. And never pick up the phone and never call them. It's totally different when you comfort them and you're willing to call them. You're willing to come, come aside, beside them. You're win, willing to minister to them. James 2.15 says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, 
without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? In other words, this is compassion and action, it's comfort. So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is death. If mercy, if compassion is not accompanied with comfort, it is dead, what Paul says. And then he goes on, he says, verse 6, he says, he said, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experienced when you patiently endured the same suffering that we suffer. Our hope for you, this is huge, verse 7 is like huge. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in comfort. In other words, you know what was happening in the Corinthian church? They were not thinking the best of each other. They were thinking the worst of each other. They quit thinking the best of one another. Please remember this church. This church hurt Paul deeply. And he must have walked through forgiveness. He must have walked through this process. In verse 7, he comes back and he says, Hey, I just want you to know my hope for you, my hope for you is unshaken. Man, for we know that we share in our sufferings and you also share in our comfort. In other words, I am willing to comfort you. I, in other words, what he's saying, I believe the best in you. Don't we all need someone around us that does not immediately believe the worst in us when they hear something about us, but they believe the best in us? Paul's like, I believe the best in you. You're going to make it. I think your faith is genuine. You're going to come out good as gold on the other side. You can do this. And not only can you do this, but I'm willing to come alongside of you. And I'm willing, listen, every one of us, every one of us needs a friend. Every one of us needs a spouse. Every one of us needs a relationship in our life that believes and hopes and wants the best for us. Even when they hear something negative about us, they say, wait a minute, I know them. And I'm first going to believe the best in them. And that was Paul the third. And the last thing is this, difficulties testify about our faith. Difficulties enable us. Listen, we have a world right now that is watching the church to see how Christians are going to respond to this. And are we going to respond differently? He said, you also must help by prayer so that many will give us thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted to us through the prayers of many. And maybe you've gone through a hurt, and maybe you've gone through difficulty. And maybe you need to come to the place to where you say, you know what? I mean, I've tried to do it on my own. And I've never called out to Jesus. I've never accepted him, but I, I just need to accept him. And I need to ask him to come into my life and forgive me of my sins, and I'm going to start walking with him. Because he has promised to never leave me or forsake me. Maybe, maybe you're a believer. And maybe you've never really connected with other Christians and you say, you know what, I, I, I need to do that. So not only that I can comfort others, so that they can comfort me. I told you that we would finish up with Psalm 121 and I, I, just, I just want to read through this psalm and I'll make some, some comments. It, I woke up early, couldn't sleep. I woke up really early, made a pot of coffee and grabbed my Bible and Bible app and, and pulled up Life Journaling. I just started working through the reading of the day. And, and, every, and so I came to Psalm 121. It's a short psalm, but it has such a deep meaning. So I just like to read it and then we'll close and, and make some comments. And here, here's what the psalmist writes. He said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? This is huge. So the hills, just real quickly, 
The hills meant two things to, to the Jew in, in, in those days. One was Jerusalem, well, one was the hills gave them great fear. Whenever they traveled through the hills, uh, they could be robbed, they could be murdered, uh, they could get stranded, they could fall and slip and fall and get hurt. They could end up spending the night there. It gets really, really cold. They could lose their life. And so you know what the hills represented to them? Two things, but one thing was this, anxiety. The hills gave them anxiety and fear. Whenever they looked at the, the hills, it gave them anxiety and fear. And so all of a sudden, he's writing, this is Psalm of Ascent. The Jews would read these psalms as they made their way up to Jerusalem. I've, I've walked that path two different times. And I mean, it is almost straight up as you go. And so they're walking up, and he says, where does, and so he says, he says this thing that is giving him anxiety, that is giving him fear of the future, he asks an honest question, and he asks this question, well, where does my help come from? Where does my help come from? With this fear that I have, where does my help come from? Verse 2, my help, my help comes from the Lord. Oh, and who made heaven and earth, and he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. When you look at this issue of the hills, not only for the, the Jewish person did it represent anxiety and fear, but Jerusalem, the temple, the presence of God, the, Jerusalem sits in like this bowl. Listen, whenever I go to Israel, uh, in fact, this is last time in March, I took about 40 people, Karen and I took about 40 people to Israel, and so it's one of our favorite moments of taking a group into Israel. Uh, we're headed to Jerusalem, we're in this bus, there's 40-something of us, and we're letting everybody know that we're making the ascent, and I mean the gears are grinding in this bus, we're almost going straight up, and we says we're going we're gonna to see Jerusalem for the first time. And everybody's excited. And as we get close, our guide would like put on this song in the bus, Oh, Jerusalem, Oh, Jerusalem, Oh, Jerusalem is playing. And then all of a sudden, we come to this hill. And as we come over the hill, we see Jerusalem. We see the Temple Mount. We see everything, and it's lit. And you hear this initial gasp out of a bus. And people are gasping, and then there's this silence, and people are taking it in. And then people start cheering and praising God. I mean, it's an amazing moment. See, because even... Even for us, even for us as Gentiles, when we go in and we see Jerusalem, it, it's, it reminds us of the presence of God, that God is with us, and, and God did these things. This was the Jewish people. When they would make the ascent, it was a reminder to them that God is with us. This psalmist is writing and says, when I have anxiety and when I have fear, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Because he is with me. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the sun by the moon by night. The Lord, the Lord will keep you, keep you from all evil, keep you from being destroyed. He will keep your life. Verse 8. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore. You know what that means? Coming in and going out. Whether you're in your home, whether you're in your school, whether you're in your business, whether you're in your church, whether you're in the community, whether you're at Walmart, whether you're at Lowe's, whether you're shopping, when you're at a restaurant, you're at the pumpkin patch with your grandkids, wherever you go, I am with you. You're going out, and you're coming in. He is with you. 
I encourage you this day, this season, with these words. When you have fear, when you have anxiety, when you look at that thing to the future and whatever gives you fear and anxiety, and you ask that question, where does my help come from? Our help doesn't really come from anything else other than Him. Our help ultimately comes from the Lord. And we look to Him for help. Not government, not political structures, not being able to get enough money together so we no longer have to trust Him because that can all be gone in a disaster. My prayer for you this week, when you have anxiety, when you have fear, and you ask that question, where's my help? Would you remember this psalm? This psalm was a psalm that my wife actually memorized a number of years ago. There's been times when we've gone through difficulty. She'll just start out. I will lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. The one who created heaven and earth. The one who will keep you from evil. The one who will not allow your foot to be moved. And even in your going out and your coming in, I will be with you forevermore. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. Father, may we just, may we just know that you are with us. May we be reminded that our help comes from you. Father, may we be willing in this season to not only trust you, but where you have comforted us, would we be willing to comfort others? Father, would we pull not only closer to you, but we would pull closer to one another? And would we feel your peace? Would we feel your comfort? For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please, as we close this service? If you made a decision of any kind, we'd love to know about that. Whether it's online, you can click the connect card and fill that out. That will get to us. Uh, you can click live prayer, and a prayer partner will meet you in a, in a virtual room and talk with you and come alongside of you and help you. There's several ways you can do it in person. There's a QR code on the seat back in front of you. If you know how to use that, you can take out your smartphone use that. You can go out in the, the welcome area. There's cards and pens that are sanitized. You can use those as well. We'll do anything we can to help you and to come alongside of you. Thank you for being here this weekend, and may this week, may you know the peace of Christ. And may you remember that our help comes from the Lord. God bless you.